Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hi, this is Ken Alston with the Circularity Edge podcast, and I'm here today with David Ferdinand, also known as David the Indian. We only met a few days ago, but I can honestly say I felt an instant connection to you, David, your words of wisdom. And so here we are talking on the Circularity Edge podcast. So, so welcome. Thank, thank you, Ken. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. I've I've just found out, like you said, we just met, but you know, like anything really good in this world, when it happens, you just, you just thank God. And, and we thank God for all the work that you're doing in, in the team. You have a fabulous team behind you as well. It's not just you. And it's a, it's, it's really an effort that I think is really needed in the, in our society today is more education and building awareness and empowering people on an individual people to people level. And, 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 and if we can accomplish that, I think that we can really have really positive impacts in, in our environment and in our lives. Absolutely. And I, well, thank you. I appreciate uh, those kind words, David. I, I don't script these podcasts. You know, I prefer to just have a, a, a conversation and let the, let the discussion evolve as it, as it does. Um, and I'd say, generally speaking, when I talk to someone on the podcast, I do have a, a really strong, a good sense of where the conversation is likely to go. But today, I think that's probably an exception. And I think, you know, we, I don't know where we'll end up. And that's also a good thing. So let, I, I, I agree. Fasten your seatbelt, everyone. Exactly. Let, let's start with your name, David. When I first intro- was introduced to you, you know, you popped up David the Indian. So maybe, uh, maybe give us a bit of, of uh, background on that. Uh, Ken, it's a really very interesting story and something that actually came to my attention from somebody that I met on the beach. One day I was walking on the beach and I stopped and I was talking to somebody casually in English. I'm here in Brazil, so it's not very common that you find somebody that actually speaks English. So this person um, I had met opened up a discussion. And after they found out that I was named David and I lived on an island and they immediately said, wow, you're David the Indian. And I said, who's David the Indian? (laughs) This is is only a couple of years ago now. And I investigated uh, more about David the Indian. And I came across uh, a website called cryon.com. We'll put put it in in the notes with the podcast. Great. Uh, because on cryon.com, there's an audio tape, a free audio tape in the parables, and it's about nine minutes, and it describes this character called David that lives on an island and ventures off into the fog. It's, it, the, the story is about uh, overcoming one's fear and uh, uncertainty and moving into the fog, deliberately moving into the fog. Because the consciousness is giving enough uh, of confidence that you're going to make it through the fog. And that's the, the way the story ends is actually David does make it through the fog. 
and gets to the other side. Um, I won't get into all the details about the story, but that's where uh, David the Indian came from. And here in Brazil, there's really current currently there's a big a big issue with the uh, indigenous people and land rights. So it seems, in, and also our immediate area, we have local Indians that go back 500, 600 years of history here. Uh, they're called Kaisara and the Tupi Guarani tribe, which, which is um, uh, historic here in Brazil. The, the, what happened to the Indians here is a pretty incredible story. So I'm, I'm basically uh, taking over this role, David the Indian, as a spokesperson to try to help to create new opportunities and laws to give back the lands to the people to the, that rightly have ownership of those lands. And so the land right issue here in, the, in Brazil right now is really a hot topic. Mm, interesting. And I know when, when, we, when we first talked about this, and I, I did listen to that segment, and it is, it's an enlightening segment. So uh, I will, as I said, I'll put the link in the, uh, in the podcast notes so people can, can find it and listen to it. You, you turned the tables on me and you asked me about my name. You said, yeah, what about Ken? And um, you almost within seconds sent me a, a link, uh, which I hadn't, I hadn't made in my mind, even though I knew of it. And it's a, it's a Scottish derivation. Um, we know people in Scotland would say something beyond your Ken, meaning it's beyond your understanding or it's beyond your range of vision. And I thought, I thought that was interesting, given that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have a, a 360-degree vision of the future that's more sustainable, uh, more circular. And that was one of the points of connections that, that we made on our, on our first conversation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. And, and you are a man of vision, just like your name suggests. And I don't, you know, Alston, I don't know what Alston really means, but I'm sure if you just... Uh, do a Google, quick Google search on Alston. You'll come up with a lot of connection. It was interesting, Ken, because after I met this person, a lot of coincidences started happening in my life, not just the David the Indian, but I could go on and on. But amazing, amazing interactions that I, I had and came across, just living the moment. It seemed like that was the secret. The more that I could just be present, the more that things just naturally uh uh, showed themselves right and so you're you're on an island uh, off the coast of brazil in san sebastian was it you said yes that's correct we're only about two hours from the big city of sao paulo and how did how did an american citizen end up on a little island uh, off of brazil it's a very interesting story ken it goes back to over 25 years now when i first came here I came through the U.S. Department of Commerce in a, in a mission, a specific trade mission to help promote and make a bridge between the United States and Brazil and to promote technology and construction design, construction of hotels, resorts, and casinos. And I was invited here to be a guest speaker. And at the time I went to, to that event to speak, the owner of this island where I am now, which is called Ila das Covis, in San Sebastian, the owner came to the event and basically grabbed me, snatched me up, showed me a bunch of photos that were beautiful, amazing, uh, just paradise type of photos. I was totally hypnotized and, and mesmerized. 
And the uh, the owner, his name was Maneko. He just passed away, unfortunately, a couple of oh, months ago. Well, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was a, a, a real tragedy in the sense that he was 96 years old and basically uh, everyone ignored him and didn't take care of him. And he he, he, he died a, a less than dignifying life. Mm. And, and the, man, the man had worked hard all of his life to, to try to make positive change in, in the world that he lived in. And uh, in being 96 years old, he saw a lot of different changes in his life. And so... He, he brought me, getting back to the story, he brought me here and I fell in love with the place. Uh, immediately when, when my feet touched the earth here, I, I just, I had an auto, like an out of the body experience. Mm, I, wow. I, w within like a moment, I had a flash of all of the design. You know, uh, you talk uh, a lot about the design aspect of, of where creativity begins. And uh, I was in the design field. I was an architect, an engineer, interior designer. I did basically every discipline. I had over 47 jobs in the United States during my career, uh, right, that, that are linked directly to my Social Security. I paid taxes in all these jobs. So they have a record, 47 different jobs. So my whole life was about design and, and, yeah. bringing, to and, and bringing those designs to life. And that's that's how when I came here, uh, the of uh, the first time uh, Maneko had inv invited me here, I I basically went back to the United States in two days and I quit my job, my career. I just totally, I made a decision that I was going to uh, put everything I have, all my effort and energy and passion into trying to help to make this place something that the that the community and in the world could actually value. And uh, it's been 25 years. It's been a real interesting road. Um, I'm not a political person, even though I mentioned, you know, the U.S. government and the Commerce Department um, and the State Department, the embassies and what have you. I mentioned that because they have services that are available for individual people and in, in small businesses that help that want to expand out of the United States. And most people don't realize um, that these these uh, programs are available. I was fortunate in my career. I worked for the Chamber of Commerce in the state of Rhode Island. Uh -huh. And when I was working at the chamber, I, I came across all sorts of quasi-government organizations and different grant programs that help businesses. So I would go to businesses in the state of Rhode Island and I would explain to them the, the process of going through something like the Gold Key Mission in the Export Assistance Center. And it turned out that I was really explaining them and educating them. But at the same time, I was educating myself because it turns out that I took advantage of all of the programs. And that's why I'm here today, still after 25 years, been able to survive in this environment without really knowing the language. When I first came here, I didn't know how to say good morning, bonjia. I, you know, I, I didn't know how to say water, a glass of water. I didn't know mm -hmm. anything. And, and uh, and it, 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 it's still, you know, the language is still an issue. And, it, and I think it will always be an issue because, you know, your native language is a direct connection to your heart. And yeah. some people believe that if you don't speak the, the local language, that you're not going to be connected. I don't I'm not that type of, uh, you know, person. I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. And I believe that somehow 
we can use body language and we can do use other methods of communication to be able to work together. And over the 25 years, I've been fortunate enough to have about seven or eight different people that have lived here for several months at a time, um, mostly poor people, quite honestly, people that were living on the street that needed a place to stay. And they would come and live here and, and we would exchange work, but they didn't speak any English. And they, they didn't really learn any English. They stayed maybe a couple of months uh, and we were able to get along just fine. And right. we were able to continue the progress of, of making the gradual step-by-step uh, -step improvements here. When we first came to the island, Ken, uh, it was an abandoned island. It had been a, basically abandoned and left alone for about 15 years. So there, there was basically nothing here. The house, there's one small little house that's here. And that house was ransacked and, and robbed and pillaged. And all of the fixtures in the bathroom and the kitchen, the stove were all destroyed. So we basically had to start from zero, which, which was a really good thing for our learning. Because now here we are 25 years later, we're sustainable. We've, we are actually starting to make a little bit of money, and, and which is a really positive thing. Uh, my wife and myself are the only investors that, that have, uh, have had the courage to be able to get involved with something like this on, on the scale that we're talking about. That's, and, that's quite a design assignment, you said yourself. <laughs> yes, ex exactly. I, I think there's something, there is something special about islands that we can perhaps talk about for a few minutes. And, um, you know, I've been doing work with some of my colleagues, as you know, on Aruba, and we've been working in, in some of the islands, and some other friends of mine are working in Europe and, and looking at, at other islands, like off the coast of Scotland and other places. And I think, you know, conceptually for me, island, because of its literal geographic, you know, fixed site and, and location, um, it's, it's easy to imagine a sort of an input-output model where, you know, on your island to be sustaining for yourself and whoever else is on there, um, you know, some things have to come in, some things have to go out, but a lot of things stay, right? And, and I think looking at, the, looking at what it takes to be sustainable on an island, I think conceptually is easier just because of its, its geography. Whereas if you go to Sao Paulo, then it's going to bleed out into the countryside and into the next city, and it's it's a little tougher to, to like corral and, and and imagine all the flows. But on an island, it's a it's it's a simpler concept. That that's correct. The, the the whole process, the whole scientific process, the input, the process, and the output, you can maintain that 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 integrity, and you can monitor. You know, like you said when you're bringing something in, you need to be really conscious of what that is. It shouldn't be just, just random stuff that people are carrying in. So what we have here is something called zero leash which is zero garbage. And our, our whole uh, uh, strategy is to be the first island that has a signed declaration to actually produce no waste, zero waste, and, and, and have everything recycled here. One of the one of the one of the hard things, Ken, is that when you're on an island, you tend to save everything, because when you need a piece, if something breaks, you need to you need to do something to continue that 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 process, whatever it is. If it's the water system, 
something to do with the solar or what, whatever it is, the, the mechanical equipment that we operate. So in Brazil, there's a term called gambiaja, which is, is basically um, uh, like, like a MacGyver uh, type yeah. of person where you need to be really creative and you need to modify, you know, most of the time things don't fit together perfectly, but if you gambiaja it, if you fudge it, and if you put love into it, it will function. It might not function very long, but it might function long enough for you to be able to go to the mainland and, and actually get whatever piece or part or whatever you need. So there's, there's, there's some, uh, some complications of being an island because of the distance and because of the logistics. Yeah. But that, that's also a positive thing because, like I said, we're very conscientious of whatever we bring here because we see the material and we see it being wasteful and it just deteriorates and, and just, it doesn't have any value. It's just, gar it, it basically garbage that's not ever gonna be used. So- That's the difference. This is the difference, of course, between the natural world and, you know, our more, let's call it technological world. Um, there isn't even a concept of waste. The word waste is, is, is a conceptual thing doesn't, doesn't even occur in nature because everything is food for something else, right? Everything comes back and, and the cycles are safe. And this is the other piece of the puzzle that most people forget is that it's not just about cycling, it's about safe cycling. Um, if you start with the lead-based paint on whatever it is you're, you're, you're you know, MacGyvering, then you're introducing lead into your environment. And if it was wrong to do it the first time, and it's definitely wrong to do it a second time or a third time. And so, right. so the idea, as you said, of knowing what it is that you're dealing with, down to a chemical and molecular level, is, is really important because you don't make a circular economy by bending the current linear economy. This is something that I, I have to you know, include in a lot of my talks. Um, yes. Because the, you know, the obvious thing people think about is they just go to recycling which is actually the last thing you do, not the first thing to do. You know, you, you're talking about a system where the first thing you do is think about what it is I'm bringing in. That's correct. That's, that's correct. And I think you know, I, I, the, the other thing is you, you mentioned water and, and you've mentioned power. You, you touched on solar just in passing. But this is, this, is, this is where we have to learn from nature. You know, nature runs on clean water, it doesn't poison itself. You know, it's powered by the sun, um, it's clean energy. And, it's, and it's, it's also safe cycling. So these are like three key constructs for me that we have to redesign back into, you know, what we're doing today. I agree. So what, what are you doing on the island? Tell, say a little bit more about that. I think you have, you have an event, I think you're planning for a couple of months from now, is that right? Yes, we're, we're, what we're, we're, we're going to do is we have an association, an NGO, it's called Association Ila Das Govis Echo Park. And we're supposed to have a community meeting every year anyway, so we scheduled it this, this year is, is uh, on the 17th of December uh, to the 19th. It's a weekend. We're calling it Quantum Pay It Forward, a weekend of eternal giving. And it's based on the concept of giving. And the fact is, universally, it's proven that the more you give, the more you receive. So this event is, uh, 
a kickoff event to really reach out and continue our efforts to make uh, positive connections with all of the people that live directly in front of us, our, our main communities, the beach communities of about 15 different beaches, about 50,000 residents that live here. And, and so right now, uh, my wife and her brother, my brother-in-law and myself, what us, our, the three of us, we're living on the island. There's no other residents. There's only one small house. We're self-sustainable in the sense that we have no connection. We're off the grid, per se. I mean, we do use cell, cell phone communications. That's how we're communicating today. But for the most part, uh, we're, this is a very primitive and, and very virgin type of, of island. And we're trying to keep it that way. We, we have uh, intentions, of course, to grow organically. And through that growth, we're not sure exactly what the end result is going to be because that, that just takes away all the power of the moment, or the moment of now. And like meeting with you, for example, if we already knew that there were certain cards in the deck and you weren't one of the cards, we probably wouldn't be talking with you. Right. We, would already have, we would already have everything pretty well planned out. But there is no like master plan. The plan is to be as close to the, the moment as possible. And if we can stay there, then, then God will deliver and grace us with the things that we need to continue to, to grow and to be responsible citizens of, of this place, this local place, but also responsible citizens of our ocean and, and the world, that, that our planet. And the, the project is a very interesting project. It's called Project Biodome. And the Biodome is a scientific research and, and development station for um, exploration of technologies that are coming out, especially uh, electromagnetic frequency and radio frequency technologies. Um, it's a complicated uh, undertaking because it is integrated and transformative. So literally any, any conversation, Ken, that I have with people, there's automatically a, 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 a slot that opens. So everyone has an opportunity here, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, everyone gets treated similarly in the right. sense that we have, we have a time bank as part, for example, a time bank is part of our, our strategy to sustain ourselves financially and also get the workforce the, the, the hands in the, that we need to start to make more artisanal products and local foods, things that are, are, are made here. Uh, right now, most of like 90% of everything consumed along the beaches here are brought in by trucks. And, and obviously that causes a lot of, of pollution in the mountains. They have a long, a, a two hour drive in the mountains to come down to where the beach is from the city where most of the companies are located. So the time bank is, is, a, is an opportunity where when people work one hour, they get one credit and it's a token credit, like a, like a crypto coin or a Bitcoin. And, and the idea is to have a internal, an internal bank, like an online bank, not a physical bank, but an online bank, bank where uh, members of our association that for free, they can, they can access an applicativo that we're developing right now called we and when they go into the app they they would have a virtual wallet 
which would allow them to start to accrue some credits if they work. And there would be a variety of different uh, tasks. Basically, the community would tell us what they want to do. And mm -hmm. as long as as long as it's within some sustainability and some green you know, consciousness, and as long as it's involving our local community, we're going to be funding those and offering the uh, lines of credit, 30, 60 and 90 days uh, lines of credit, which here in Brazil is unheard of. You don't you don't get that with a zero interest. The zero microfinancing. Interest. It is a microfinancing. Exactly. Right. It, it's based on Mont, uh, Mont, Mondragon. You don't Mondragon? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's the, the original cooperative. Uh, that that's what this is all about. This is about cooperation, and I know that one of the other podcasts that you had was with Maria Costa from uh, from Bello. There's the company that's from right. Bello. Yes, and Maria was saying that that's her whole her whole strategy is the cooperative model, and she she basically started with not nobody helping cooperatively, and now has over thirty artists that work there, artisanal right. people. And yes, so, these were people who had skills that weren't being utilized. And that's, she's that's been exactly the catalyst. That. Yeah, right. That's the word is un underutilized or non-utilized assets. Yeah. And so there's a tremendous amount of resources here, Ken. There's no universities here. So the people that come here are, are mostly second home people that, that buy vacation property for rental or to speculate and to make money and to and flip the, the land. And, and so the, the whole area is really in need of something that can pull them together. And that's what Association Ilerasovic Echo Park's mission is, is about that connectivity, that unity, and then to activate people and to engage them and to empower them and, and to give them the confidence that they, they can do this on their own. One of the really unique things about Brazil is they have a, a, a small business uh, incubator uh, from Sabrai, which is a Brazilian government organization. And they have a, a program where people can earn up to 81,000 reais, and they only have to pay tax of about 500 reais. So it's a huge, you know, huge benefit. And yeah. the government trying to promote uh, individual people to open up their own business out of their house or, or have mobile businesses. And, and basically decentralize uh, in the workforce. And it's an effort that we, we're also encouraging because part of our cooperative would require that they do take out this, this what's called an MEI or a micro impressa, a, a micro business um, a, like certification uh, to take out an account with the government. So whatever we do, we, people would be paying taxes the last thing that we want is anyone to think that our association is trying to avoid taxes. Um, that's a, that's the kiss of death. And I, for one, pay my taxes and that's why I can live today and I can sleep nice at night. Cause I know the IRS is never going to audit me because I always filed easy in, in my whole life. And I paid the <laughs> maximum amount of taxes. I did no deductions. And, and I didn't know really why I was doing it, but now that I'm 57, I'm semi-retired, I, 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 I really appreciate the fact that I had the common sense to follow the law 
and, 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 and follow instructions, take advice from great people that I meet. And that's why I'm here today talking with you, Ken, in, in the circularity uh, edge. Yeah, I think, I think this whole idea of empowerment is, is so important. I mean, I've, I've taught for years, you know, all sustainability is local. And the problem is some of these statements, they're true, but it's hard for people to really uh, approach them and, and live them um, themselves. And I think I'd mentioned to you on another call we were on, this idea that I get a lot of people saying to me, I said, well, I get the ideas, Ken, I understand I'm with you, but what can I do? And the, you know, this, this is the ultimate local. You are the, you know, any one of us, any individual, we are local because we are where we are, right? So um, it is gonna be coming down to not only being people, as you said, um, and helping them see alternative pathways, um, perhaps pathways that are ultimately going to be better for them than the one that they were on right now. Um, and so this, some of the tools and the trainings and the, you know, the things we're putting together in the background are all designed to, to be empowering in this way and to enable connections. And I think this, this networking, this is what we're doing today. We're networking now in a way we're another two nodes in a network, right? And then, somebody else will be listening to our podcast and they'll become a node in the network and they may pass something on they learned that just resonated with them. And we're, we're growing this network, um, you know, one individual at a time. And, and hopefully when we get enough of us, we have the power of, of action to, to literally change the world, which is what we're trying to do. Well, I, I would say that we have enough of us. It's just that we haven't just reached that level of connectivity. And I think that just the, the work that Bavana, the work that the Circularity Edge is doing together is creating new platforms that are opening yeah. up those communications and, and not circumventing, you know, things like Google and Facebook and what have you, but having an alternative for people to have a trusted place where their information is totally protected and uncensored and, and, and just reality, whether it's yeah. good or bad. If somebody wants to make a public address, it, it, it is what it is. Um, it shouldn't be censored by anybody saying, putting on some type of label before the message is even sent. Right. It's, and it's all about the communication. One of the things, uh, Ken, that you mentioned with the networking I don't know if you heard of the term net weaving. Have you heard of net weaving? Uh, no, say more about it. Uh, net, net weaving was created by uh, Bob Littell. Uh, he lives in Atlanta. And he's also on the board of directors for the Pay It Forward Foundation, which is related to the movie back in the 80s and 90s. And... Bob Littell came up with a very, very interesting, he wrote a book actually called The Art of Net Weaving, The Art of Net Weaving, Robert Littell. And he, he says that, you know, networking is, is good, but it's not, the, it's not really getting to the, the, the real root of what relationships are really about. For example, your and my discussion, very quickly, we were able to make a connection because we could see how we were entangled because we're not distracted all around us is not this big, big uh, mass of like, like cord that's all wrapped up. 
our our line our line of uh, consciousness is clear so when you meet somebody actually it's not really the net the networking that you're doing it's net weaving which is more heart to heart yeah. so every every relationship that you have uh bob latell suggests that you treat it with love and care because Usually when something happens and you meet somebody, there is a reason for it. It's not always very easy to identify. But when you take a moment, you step back and, and allow things to, to, to penetrate, you, you come up with one, two or three reasons why it makes sense to continue to talk to somebody and to continue to try to express your, your, your passion and your, your love for each other. And, you know, treating each other innocent before they're guilty is the way that I think the world is supposed to work. But unfortunately, with our current judicial system, everyone is treated as guilty. And then you are forced to prove your innocence. That's almost an impossible task. You can't prove that you're innocent. You, you live innocent. <laughs> you know? it's, yeah. It's, well, one of the other things we talked about the other day was... It was like, how can I say it? Words to live, live and work by, I guess. You know, and we, we, we went back and touched briefly on some of the words in the Constitution, like life in the pursuit of happiness. And you mentioned the great ideas book from um, Six Great Ideas from Mortimer Alder. That, that's it included, correct. Included the word beauty, which I loved because um, it's, it's, it's a word that isn't, Used often enough, I think, when we're when we're dealing with some of these issues in the in the business world. You know, if, if I stood in front of the group of CEOs and started talking about beauty, they they'd be th wondering which planet I'd come from. Um, but there there is an element of beauty that we can weave to take your weaving net weaving idea further. We can weave that in as an important attribute. Um, I'm sure that, well, I, I know because I, you showed me the video of the island and how beautiful it is. It's stunning. Um, and I think, you know, bringing beauty back into our conversations is, is also important. Yeah, not just in business, but also in our personal relationships. You know, for example, with myself and my wife, you know, when I really look at it, I don't tell her that she's beautiful. And I don't express that. I just, it's like something that's taken for granted. You know, you're married, of course, you're beautiful, but it's not an of course. It's the more that you, you express that beauty, the more the beauty reflects back to you. And yeah. so the, the, the wholer that you feel as a person, just by letting other people know that they're beautiful and that they're perfect and that God is so wonderful. Look at what God has produced. Every human being is such a precious asset and has such huge potential and, and just maybe needs a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance, but doesn't need uh, uh, you know, to be uh, dependent or entitled like some social welfare system. Right. They, need, they just need a little opportunity to relax a little bit, get some education, get, increase their consciousness, and then, and then go ahead and, and make some decisions of what they, they're, they're gonna do with their life. I saw, I saw, um, I was watching um, on Netflix the other night, and it was, it's actually in, in, based in Rio, this particular episode. 
And it and one little part of the story uh, w- was of um, a chef in a, in a restaurant, and he changed his whole modality of his restaurant, and he changed the concept to one where his focus was first and foremost on teaching young people from the favelas, you know, um, a, a better way of life, a good way of life, and using food as the vehicle to connect with people. And so he was he was net weaving via food, but bringing people out of the, the darkness of, of, you know, in, in a place where they didn't know how to, to improve their lot, you know, and... Um, he burst into tears when he was just talking about what he's been doing. And the, the emotion was super powerful. It was in a way, it was beautiful to see. And as we do all of this new work to, you know, reorganize things from this linear to this circular, you know, idea, bringing equity back in, in a fulsome way is to me is really important because it's the, of the three E's of sustainability, economics, uh, environment and equity, it's the one that is is usually dropped off or or least paid attention to. And it needs it needs a more full-throated and you know pulling back into the mix. I I agree wholeheartedly. And especially when it comes to our ocean, you know, we focus almost all of our attention on the land because land is something that you can easily, you know, survey and subdivide and develop. But our oceans, when it comes to equity, we, we haven't really understood or realized that when we protect our oceans and when we improve the, the fish counts and all of the migration species and, and reintroduce species that are almost extinct, if not have gone extinct and bring them back, that any, any money that we spend on those efforts multiplies 10 times, 100 times. And so the equity, the equity part is is really important, you know, where we're, where we're focusing our attention. And because we're an island, Ken, you know, obviously our, our main effort is the, the protection and conservation of the ocean that surrounds us. That's, that's our mate. The ocean is our neighbor. And, yeah, and yeah. If we don't treat our neighbor with kindness and love. The ocean will swallow you in a, in a heartbeat. And, uh, so of course, you know the equity. The equity piece comes in with, with like I said, our project here, Biodome, an integrated project. It looks at every piece. It's a cognitive. It's a cognitive. You mentioned Mortimer J. Alder. He's he's the father of cognitive behavior, and how we use words and how those words motivate us to action. And so, the you know, the equity, the environment, the economy all of those things and in, in, in even more our mental emotional state of mind health uh, education you start looking at the whole picture which you do with circularity edge the complexity it, it's inclusive of everything that's that's life you know, anything that has to do with the, the the sanctuary of life which is pretty much everything well, this is the, this is probably the most important word that I I'm focused on right now is is the word life, because we can talk about sustainability, but what is it that you're trying to sustain? You know, most people don't actually take that next step and say, well, we're trying to sustain life on Earth, aren't we? 
and not just life for humans. I mean, inevitably, when we talk about business and the circular economy, the implicit piece is that we're talking about people, which clearly we are because you know we're part of humanity. But we are also talking about all the other species on Earth, and so it, it is it is important to look at the oceans and and the air and and you know everything in between. Uh, it, it's all species for all time. Um, well, you know, our focus with Elon Musk and, and SpaceX and space travel and all of the space programs, all wonderful, obviously. But our consciousness is being directed out into other universes right now. And people are in, in we, we still, by the way, don't even know if eternity actually exists, if infinity exists. They, they, they have never, there is no math uh, equation that, that guarantees that infinity exists. We understand that the, from the tele, Hubble telescope and data that they've collected, that the universe is expanding and expanding faster. It's not slowing down in the expansion. The expansion is accelerating, which means that we'll never, we'll never get in front of that wave. We don't need to be in front of the wave. We're, we don't need to be God. We are God, but we don't, we need to possess that. We don't need to control that. And so um, I don't know if your, your listeners uh, had any information or, or followed the SpaceX just, uh, I think it was about two months ago that, or maybe even less. Did you see the, the voyage and, and when they returned, Ken? Yeah. The, sh the shuttle? Yes. Did you? Did you hear that they this, the mission overall was a very big success? But did you hear what the one weakness was? No. What was what did they say? The the problem with the shuttle uh, there was four not astronauts but four common people four tourists that were in the in the capsule in in space and they were there for three days. Normally the the, the test run was only for one day. So the, the actual uh, voyage was completed within one day, but this voyage lasted for three days. And what they had was a problem with the toilet. Inside the shuttle, the toilet wasn't functioning. So it wasn't discharging the, the poop into, the, into, the, into space. It was inside the capsule. And they were literally swimming in, in human feces. And it smelled like awful. And so, what I, yeah, what I say to people now, Ken, is I don't want to use Jesus's name badly, but I, Jesus blank, what the F are we doing? Here we are. We haven't polluted our planet enough, but yet we're going to go into space. And the, the best thing that we can do is eject our poop into space. We haven't come up with a better system of, of, of processing our waste. So, you know, the, the whole SpaceX, I, I'm, I'm a believer in technology. I'm a believer that, you know, we can extend ourselves and we can try to connect with alter, other dimensions and, and, and aliens and UFOs and things like that. I, I'm an open-minded person. I believe that other, other realms exist, other dimensions exist. But when it comes to how, how poorly we do knowing our own planet, we still don't even know our planet. At one point, we thought the planet was flat. And then we went to space and we took photos and we said, okay, the planet is round. Okay, so the planet is round. But is the planet whole? 
what what is at the center of the planet yeah. at the exact center of the planet is that something that's whole or is that is that an open does that open up to another dimension on the opposite end and and it's a very fascinating idea you know there's been sci-fi movies about uh you know the voyage to the center of the earth and things Jules like that Verne was one of my one of my favorite authors as a kid growing up yeah yeah well you know and, the and idea the, of this idea of waste and what you were saying about waste in space um to bring it back down to earth again um we don't even allow human waste to be included in you know organic agriculture i mean regulations prohibit human waste from from you know being used so we we definitely have a lot to learn um what is it about our own species that we don't we don't like yeah, yeah i i just think that we're you know the circularity edge i think we're all running in circles and we're chasing our tails you know we're not we're not looking at the big picture the big circle that which is which is one when we say when we say we are one, that's what we're talking about. We're all part of that big circle. But when we're yeah. all running around chasing our our tails independently, and everyone's separated and forced to be in their own little compartment, it, it doesn't it doesn't equal one. It equals something less than one. And it's time now for our society to come to terms that we are one. There's, that's the that's the issue with quantum mechanics and quantum physics. It says that if you are part of the whole, you are the whole. And we just don't believe that because it's so, it's almost inconceivable for us to think of, of that. Because that means that you are God. You are Jesus. You are, I'm, I'm Ken, you're David. You know, you're David the Indian. I'm, I'm Ken Alston. You know, we, we're all connected. Yeah, and, we are indeed. And well, today we've been networking. We've been net weaving and um you know i i think perhaps david we should make a, a plan to do another 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 chat like this another time and um and see where it leads us because i i knew as we before we even started this that we would cover so much ground that um you know we we could talk for the rest of the day uh but perhaps for today's podcast we should uh, we should think about drawing it to a close have you any final thoughts or remarks or any, anything that relates back to what you're doing on the island that you'd like people to know about? Yes. Uh, thank you, by the way, Ken, for this opportunity to address your listeners. And uh, Circularity Edge is such an awesome organization. I've just come to learn about the work that you're doing. And I'm just really motivated. It's given me new wind in my sails to, to continue the journey and voyage that I'm on personally. The project itself, Biodome, is something that um, hopefully the press will actually start to write some uh, articles from the free press. Not, not things that I produce, but actually have journalists, investigators, and reporters actually do a story about what is this thing, Biodome, and how viable and how feasible is it. And uh, we believe that it is the solution that can be uh, uh, replicated and in, in it's a scalable model. So it, it looks at all of the dynamics of, of what sustainability is all about with uh, information systems, alternative transportation modes and renewable green energy systems, 
all built into this this electromagnetic field that that we call biodome. And so for today, uh, if anyone is interested in, in speaking me, with me directly, uh, they can find myself on Facebook, David Ferdinand, or LinkedIn, uh, David William Ferdinand, and uh, also Ila Daskovis San Sebastian. And that might be a little bit difficult for people to, to be able to spell, but that's okay. We'll we'll put all the links for you, David, in the in the text that goes with the with the podcast, so people can just click. That's that's great. So anybody, any listener that would like to, to have a conversation, I'm available. I do receive calls and I do hear people's voices. It's the most important thing that I do with the work that I'm doing, is just to be a sounding board to let people express themselves to their fullest. And, and in doing so, uh, I think that we have something really great here to offer the world and, and to help with uh, the work that you're doing personally, Ken. If there's anything that we can do to support you, I know you're going to be speaking this next month in Panama. Or uh, if there's anything that we can help you, you know, to, to make that address into the public. And also if there's a link or, or even information about us possibly even sending a delegate a delegate to go to that event i don't know if it's open or closed to the public but uh, maybe you can send some information about what you're doing and and see how we can continue to link up excellent well david uh, i i knew we would have a very wide-ranging and free and frank open discussion this morning and um i thank you for that and let's let's plan another one and with that, uh, we're going to close this edition of the Circularity Edge podcast. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye, Circular. Circular.